Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. will be supernatural, that our lives will not be based on our own natural abilities and limited to physical natural strength. May we be launched into a greater life of the supernatural because we respond to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. We thank the Lord. You know, as we were singing, you know, that the presence of the Lord is heaven to us. Basically, this is what church is about. Amen. And in the midst of this, you know, forbidding temperatures, the only thing that will make somebody, uh, what's the word, brave the weather and, and go through with the mindset that I have to be there is because if we consider it as something we need to live. Hallelujah. So, I pray, I pray that um, God will give us a hunger and a thirst for him. Jesus said, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's, it's very hard to feed, to feed people who are not hungry. Amen. That's why, you know, this evening, some rice was cooking and... I saw somebody go to the pantry and he was trying to grab something. And I said, why are you, you know, I mean, food is about to be ready. Why are you going to grab? So I just want to get a sandwich. I said, well, is that going to be your dinner? Because, Because I feel that when he eats that, he won't be able to eat what is being cooked. Then he, then, then he asked, is, is it almost ready? That, <laughs> in other words, I'm saying don't go for that. But is, something, is there something ready for me to eat now? Then I said, it's only 7 o'clock. Because there are times that some of these guys, the food is ready, 8 o'clock, come and so uh, I'm not hungry. Why? Because the person is into something they like. So hunger has disappeared. Do you get it? But... You know, I didn't want the person to go and fill themselves up with things, other things, that the main thing they cannot get. And that's the, every parent's problem, you know, that you want to make sure people want the food you are cooking. Amen. When we were young, we were told not to eat. When you go play around in your friend's home, don't, don't eat there. Hallelujah. I mean, there may be other reasons, but... <laughs> you, so, so the point I am making is that the only thing that will make people go through this type of weather and want to be in church is hunger. Amen. And we pray that this hunger will grow, you know, to a larger group because ultimately soon we will find out that what we've been eating and munching on is all junk food. You know, figuratively. Whatever appears to be satisfying is junk food. Now, if you live in this part of the world, you would, you would, you would notice that the weather is not a hindrance to people doing stuff. Amen. I mean, there is a, there is a, a nightclub. I don't know whether nightclub is the right, because uh, it's more like a bigger place where people have shows and concerts and things. But on O'Neill Avenue, and sometimes the weather is so bad, and when I'm leaving, I see that people are lined up in the cold, waiting to get in, because there is a certain excitement that they hope to get there. Hallelujah. 
And so I pray that that type of that type of nourishing nourishing substance that the Holy Spirit is, that people will discover that that is what God is. Hallelujah. Okay. So we are going to revisit the series that we were on a while back. And then we paused and then Philip after seven came. So the sweet influences of the Holy Spirit on the eyes of your heart. We want to revisit that. We started it but we didn't finish. The sweet influences of the Holy Spirit on the eyes of your heart. And we're going to start from Ephesians 1 and verse 17 to 19. The sweet influences of the Holy Spirit on the eyes of your heart. Ephesians 1, 17 down. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Hallelujah. Now, we talked a lot about the eyes of the heart, which is the eyes of your spirit man. Your spirit man has eyes. And the apostle was praying that the believer's spiritual eyes be enlightened. So, we, we mentioned the fact that vision is based on a number of factors. One of which is having good eyes. Hallelujah. You, you need to have good eyes to be able to see. But another thing that will make you see well is light. Hallelujah. So the prayer the apostle is praying, he said that the eyes of your understanding or the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So, so in this equation, the defect or what is, what is not working right is not that they don't have eyes at all. Hallelujah. And so I think we need to start from that base, from that foundation that as, as spiritual beings, we must believe we have spiritual eyes. Amen. Because some people think that, oh, I mean, this person has a third eye. No, if you are a Christian, by definition, you have spiritual eyes. The only reason why the spiritual eyes are not seeing anything is because maybe they are closed or there's not enough light. Hallelujah. Because having good eyes is not enough to see. You need to have light. And so, if you look at the amplifier, I think it's talking about, the, you see that, uh, or one of the other translations said that, that the eyes will be flooded with light. Okay, if you would go to verse number 17. So, we, it's from 17 down. Yeah. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and... Yes, and then go to the next one. Yes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Hallelujah. Now, this is key to spiritual vision. Spiritual vision is, is necessary for survival. Hallelujah. And spiritual vision, by definition, is vision beyond what your natural eyes can show you. And having eyes that we are not using it to see, it's like the same as not having eyes at all. And so, every believer has other eyes beyond these eyes. And the purpose of this series is that, you know, to get into the consciousness and the knowledge that, that this, this is another item on the menu. See, whenever we come to church, we are learning different things on the menu. The menu of your spiritual Christian life. That sometimes you need to go when you go to a certain restaurant, sometimes you don't know what to order. Amen. And um, somebody who has been to that restaurant before, if he, they happen to be with you, you can ask them, what is good at this place? And sometimes you can even ask the, um, the, the person waiting on you that, you know, this soup, house soup or whatever, what is it made of? Or one time I had somebody ask, this, between this and that, which one do you recommend? Hallelujah. And then obviously they will tell you their personal preference. They say, they say, I like this one. Because, you know, when you are not aware of what is on the menu, or you don't know what it contains, you will order wrongly. Amen. 
I mean, I went to a place, I ordered something, and then when they brought it, well, I don't know what I've mentioned here before. I ordered a certain type of salad. Do you get it? When they brought it, um, I, 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 you know, I received it, and then I was about to take a bite. And then somebody came and said, no, 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 that was a mistake. That salad is not what you ordered. It belonged to the other table. Do you get it? The person who brought it made a mistake. But, and then, and then they brought my salad. Dr. Nick, my salad didn't look as attractive as the first one. So I was I was, I mean, this one was there, but I didn't know. So I hope they, so no wonder, I mean, the, the first thing that came, I said, I mean, I thought that was what I ordered. But that wasn't it. Amen. And so, and so, we were all in the same restaurant, but I didn't know how to order. Do, do you get it? And they, and they took it away. So when they came back and they mentioned it, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because other people at my table order other things. So by default, this must be mine. I couldn't say that this is for this, this other person. Hallelujah. And so what we are talking about is that there are things available to the believer even as we grow in God. And part of the tools of the trade, so to speak, part of the repertoire of what a Christian must have is that you must have dreams and visions. Hallelujah. Dreams and visions are part of the Christian experience. And the advent of the Holy Spirit is supposed to heighten that. And so, what are we talking about? There are certain effects when the Holy Spirit has come and His sweet influence is coming upon us. What is going to happen? Number one, under the sweet influence of the Holy Spirit, your eyes will see your true condition. This is the point we pretty much exhausted in the last time we touched this. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will see your true condition. When you don't have the insight of the Holy Spirit, you you will be seeing things in a deceitful way. Hallelujah. And so one of the main effects of the Holy Spirit is that he reveals us to us. Amen. Number two, the sweet influences of the Holy Spirit on the eyes of your heart will cause you to see visions of the hope of your calling. You will see visions of the hope of your calling. You will see that, you see that in this verse, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, hallelujah, and what the riches of his inheritance in his sin. So the hope of God's calling. Now, I mean, I see the calling of God, you know, in, in the Bible, one of the people that you see clearly God is calling this person, especially the patriarchs, the early patriarch is Abraham. Hallelujah. God called him to leave his family and move to another place. Now, if you look at Abraham's life, you will see that the call included everything about him. The call of Abraham included his wife, included his servants, it included his livestock, because everybody was moving. Amen. And so me, the way I understand the call of God, to see the hope of your calling, the hope of God's calling of you. And especially, I'm speaking to all of us who are lay ministers, right? I do not, I do not see a divide between my secular job. I do not see a divide between my secular job. And I do not see a divide between um, money that I need to make in my secular job or I do not see a, you know, division with family. Because somebody said, well, you know, what's the three most important priorities in your life? They, they will say, God, uh, family, church. I mean, I don't look at th- things that way. Amen. Because I see God as pervasive and eminent and involved in all these different segments. Hallelujah. And so, if you ask me, if I have to list three, I will say number one God, number two God, number three God. If you ask me, then what is your family in this? My family is in the midst of all. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, you will see in the book, Bishop explains, under the influence of the Spirit, you have visions of the hope of your calling. You will have visions of the spiritual riches of glory that you possess. You also know the greatness of the power of God that is released toward you. Hallelujah. Now, before we continue, let's go to the, uh, the next verse. 
the riches of his glory of inheritance, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us world who believe. Hallelujah. According to the working of his mighty power. So the exceeding greatness of God's power. Now, what is power for? You know, power is for, or, uh, uh, for, for doing work. Is that not so? Power is for, um, you know, like uh, if, if, you, if you talk of electricity, you know, it, 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 it generates something. It, it gets something done. Hallelujah. And so, in the context of the Holy Spirit open the eyes of our hearts to see the hope of our calling, I see it as very expansive in terms of, first of all, the calling in ministry, right? What it is that God has called us to do for him that would outlast this earth. That obviously the first priority. That would outlast your lifespan. One of the one of the things that, you know, especially when you get to be my age, you know, and I, I don't know whether it happens to everybody, but at least one of the things I'm feeling is that, you know, you see, Dr. Nick, I just blinked like this, and I am 50. Do, do, you, do you get it? I remember, I remember two la, uh, milestone birthdays. When I was 30, we organized a little get-together. We were living in New Jersey at that time. I was 30. It was such a big deal. I'm now 30. And then when I was 40, they organized a little get-together in my house, if you remember. And now 50. But it seems to me almost like almost like five months ago type of deal. So in other words, the time has come very fast. So which therefore, me, it means to me that um, you need to think of what you will leave behind if you are to leave this earth. Like your legacy. What is it? You shouldn't now, you shouldn't think only of today. Hallelujah. You shouldn't think only of whatever decisions you are making. You shouldn't think of it in terms of what is it intended for today but in terms of its long-term effect and even from a secular angle i was talking to uh, brother steve the other day that even from a secular angle the people who get into power right who wants to use all their all their influence and power to amass wealth right for themselves i'm talking about certain countries where you know um people feel that the, the quickest way to make money is to be a politician. Do you get it? Go into politics. Now, even if you are thinking purely for the benefit or the gain for you and your family, I think it's a very short-sighted vision to think of how you can dip your hands in government coffers and enrich yourself. Because if you enrich yourself and your children, hallelujah, look, how many generations ahead are going to benefit from that type of wealth. Because count three, four generations down, the wealth that you acquired during your, uh, your, your uh, era as a, a politician or whatever, the next three, four generations, if the people themselves are not in a state where they can perpetuate, if it's business, they can keep running it, you're not going to get anything. Hallelujah. So even if you are being selfish, you know, you need to think further, further down the line. That what are the what the, what what is the lasting implications of what I am doing? Now, if you end up, if all the people come together, not come together, but it's almost as if they've come together to just dupe the country. But if everybody just enriches themselves and it results in the very foundation and fabric of the economy collapsing or not doing the way it's supposed to be. Then, in essence, you are you are actually jeopardizing the future interests of your own children's children. Hallelujah! I don't know what I'm making sense. What I'm saying is that even if your only goal in entering politics is just to benefit your family, and you think that grabbing and grabbing and grabbing is going to benefit, and you don't think long term that the wealth acquired will only last a few generations, and then also the collective effect of so many people thinking that way will end up breaking, further breaking down the, the very economy of the nation. So that, so that even if you're, even if, let's say you started a business, your children's children, by the time it's their time, there's nobody to buy their, 
their, their goods. Because if you have a business and everybody else is poor, who is going to buy your things? So what I'm saying is that people are not thinking beyond themselves. And they are not thinking intergenerationally. And they are not thinking, you know, in terms of what will happen 100 years from now. Amen. Now think of it in terms of eternity. Like, now we are just talking earth. But in eternity, we know that there are some things that go beyond this earth. So God giving you a vision of your, the, 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 the hope of his calling, it must start with a vision of eternity. That then becomes the defining, defining factor that affects everything else that you do. Hallelujah. Are you following? But I'm saying that now, having that as a foundation, okay, that same core, the way I say it, includes God has called my family too. Amen. And includes God has called my money. If God has called me, God has called my money. My money actually belongs to God. Amen. And he being generous is allowing me to use it for my day-to-day needs. Amen. And it's okay, bring a, a portion of it to help my work. But as I'm using my money for my, I buy a, a gas uh, for my car. In fact, you know, when we are blessing people's car, we, we say that this car, Lord, we dedicate it to you. What is the point of dedicating the car to God if the intention is not, is not that it belongs to God and it's to serve God's purposes? Amen. When somebody gets a new car, it is not just that we want to pray over the car so that, you know, the car runs well. No, no, no. My mind when I pray for people's car is that this car, we are dedicating it to God. It's not only babies we dedicate. We dedicate cars. We dedicate houses. Amen. My mind is that the hope of your calling includes your property, includes your family, includes your money. Now, a people who have not had the influence the sweet influence of the Holy Spirit, the people of the world, their mind is such that I am rich for myself so that I can impress, so that I can make a name for myself. Hallelujah. So that I can make other people feel that they are small. So that I can put people in their own place. Hallelujah. Because these people do not have any vision of eternity. So these are the people Bishop wrote these words for. He said, when the spirit, it's called the spirit of the world. When the spirit of the world is upon you, you have visions of your hopes in the world of business and riches. When the spirit of the world is upon you, you have visions of the earthly riches that you, you could have. You are filled with a desire for earthly power. Pray that you'll be under the sweet influence of the Holy Spirit. You see, Bishop, that is not saying that you shouldn't have a vision of having business and riches. But he's saying when the spirit of the world is what is motivating you, then the reason why you want to be rich the reason why you want to have influence, the reason why you want to have power, is not to advance the kingdom of God. Because you don't have any other one you answer to. Hallelujah. And so, the visions of God, it says in Ezekiel, so many places, said that, and the spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I entered into the visions of God. Hallelujah. It's like there's a way you look at life that changes when you are influenced by the sweet, the sweet Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Number three, the sweet influences of the Holy Spirit on the eyes of your heart will cause you to have meaningful dreams. Say meaningful dreams. One of the promises of the Holy Spirit coming from Joel and repeated by Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2 is that when the Holy Spirit comes, we shall all what? Dream dreams and see visions. So I want somebody to read it for us. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 to 18. When you are not anointed by the Holy Spirit, you will not dream. If you do not, if you do dream, your dream will come from a multitude of business. As Ecclesiastes 5 3 says, where dream cometh through a multitude of business. But as to 17 to 18, where Peter was quoting Joel, the Holy Spirit has come, what would, what would he bring? Mm-hmm. Acts 2 17 to 18 and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams 
and on my servants and on my handmaidens. I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Amen. Amen. You know, back in the book of Numbers, there was a day and a time that the Lord instructed Moses to bring 70 of the elders of Israel and that he was going to take of the spirit that was upon Moses and he will come upon these elders so that they will help him lead the people. Hallelujah. Now, it says that when the people gathered and the spirit came on them, they all began to prophesy. But there were two guys who didn't attend the meeting. These two were among the 70. And I don't know what the reason was. Amen. I, it was not stated in the scripture. I think one guy was called Eldad. Is it Eldad and Meldad? Both of them had the name and they were the same. <laughs> I think it's Eldad and Meldad, something like that. So they were in their tent. Because keep in mind, this is the days of the Exodus. They were living in tents. So they were in their tents. But even though they didn't attend, by the way, this is not a precedent for not attending meetings. We, this, is, this is an account of God, how gracious God is. Amen. They attend the meeting, arrive, arrive, and the Spirit of God will come upon you, take from Moses and upon you. These two among the 70 that were called didn't show up. But God decided to touch them anyway. And in life, you, sh you should learn not to live by the exception. Oh, this one cried, he didn't do this, but this happened. No, that's not the point. The point I am making is that somebody came to report to Moses. The Eldad and Meldad didn't come to the meeting and they are in their tent prophesying. Do you get it? And the person brought it as a, what do you call it, a grievance or a report. Like, a, you know how somebody, a, a little kid, you know, um, coming to report what the other kid is doing wrong. Do you get it? Because the person fell like, look, this thing should be forbidden. In fact, Joshua advised Moses that, look, you should forbid this thing. And Moses said, are you, are you jealous for me? Because, you see, here's the deal. Moses was the prophet God had called, right? And now, the spirit of Moses is on all of them, and they are all prophesying. So, Moses felt that these people who were trying to ask him to forbid these other guys, is because he felt a competition. Like, now everybody is going to prophesy, and now nobody is going to respect Moses. Are you there? So Moses said, are you jealous for me? He said, actually, it is my wish, it is my desire that the Lord will let his spirit fall on all Israel. That all will what? Prophesy. So Moses, by, 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 by making that statement, by, by saying so, revealed his heart. That he was, not, he, he was not so insecure as not to want other people to also receive the spirit. Amen. And in fact, his wish was that in not only the 70, but all of Israel should receive the spirit. And so therefore, these two elder that made that, he said, play on. It's like you have kicked the ball off the pitch, but the referee says, play on. Amen. That's what Moses said. Oh, no, no worries. I actually want more people to prophesy. But you see, what happened on the day of Pentecost, which was a prophetic foretaste of God's desire in Joel 2, is actually an answer to the wish and prayer of Moses. Moses said, I want the whole church to prophesy. And God said, okay, there will be a time. A time will come. Hallelujah. And so Joel spoke about it years later. And then on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, which, by the way, Pentecost, in case you didn't know, is actually the feast of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Amen. You see, 50 days after they left uh, Egypt, is Pentecost. Pent. Do you get it? Five. So, Pentecost is a commemoration. Because, you see, when God appeared on Sinai, before the tablets, what people don't realize that before the written, the written Ten Commandments came down, that Moses broke. Do you get it? Before those um, written format, God actually spoke the Ten Commandments. If you read from Exodus 19 down, he came on the mountain. The mountain was shaking and quaking with lightning and all kinds of frightening things. That was what was repeated on the day of Pentecost. So, God coming down and touching the earth with his law. 
which in the New Testament, Holy Spirit comes to write his law in our hearts. Amen. Are you there? And so, the, 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 the impact of the coming of the Holy Spirit is, is God's, it has been God's desire for ages, but it wasn't the right time in the days of Moses. So, but now in the New, modern, uh, New Testament times, God desires that the influence of the Spirit of God on people having dreams and visions, it should be commonplace. I mean, there are people who have more dreams than others. It's that there are people, as you are standing there, they can just tow in co and uh, doze off and have, and, and have a dream right now. Amen. But there are some of us who, who don't have dreams at all, naturally speaking. But what we are speaking about is not what you're, you are naturally inclined to have. What we are speaking about is that when the Spirit of God comes, He is supposed to lead you into dreams, meaningful dreams. And that is what the promise is. Hallelujah. Now, what are these dreams? God instructs His people sometimes through dreams. Hallelujah. You find Solomon making a statement in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 3. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Now, this verse is not to be seen as the ultimate revelation of God about dreams. When it says a dream comes through a multitude of business, it doesn't mean every dream comes through a multitude of business. Keep in mind that Solomon was writing the account of the life of man on this side of heaven without heavenly influence or without a picture of God's input. Hallelujah. And so, what Solomon is saying is like people in the world who are not guided by the Spirit of God, if you eat a lot of pizza, you're going to have a, a, a dream of pizza chasing you. Have you seen the Tom's commercial where somebody is eating something and the food is chasing him? Okay, I think I watch too much commercials. <laughs> Amen. All right. So, what, what I am leading us to is that if you exclude dreams, from your experience, you will be excluding some of the very important counsel God wants to give to you. Throughout the Bible, the Petras had dreams. It was one of the main means God uses to guide people. Jacob had dreams. Abraham had dreams. Even Solomon, where it says that God appeared to him and asked him, ask me what you want. And he said, what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom to govern these great people. Did you know that it wasn't a vision? It was in a dream. So that if he, dis, if he disregarded a dream, that was just a dream. He wouldn't have had that. And then we also know that God led Joseph to go and accept Mary. It was a dream, was it not? So that very, very important things happened in the dream. Now let's look at the scripture from Job. Bishop Rice, we are going to Job 33 and starting from verse 14. Verse 14 to 16, so get that ready and read for us. Bishop writes, without the influence of the Spirit, you will never have dreams. You will never have visions and you will never have direction. Bishop writes, the birth of Jesus Christ and the supernatural guidance of Joseph came through the influence of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit's influence, you will have dreams that will give direction to your life. Through the influence of the Holy Spirit, God will do his greatest acts of mercy in your life. Because Joseph showed mercy to Mary after he had had a dream. He was about to divorce her, which is a lower, a lower level of mercy because he could have had her, you know, uh, disgraced. But he was going to get rid of her quietly, which is, you know, getting rid of her quietly without disgracing her is a type of mercy. But the highest mercy was accept her. Hallelujah. There are degrees of everything. But without the dream, Joseph wouldn't have operated in the higher level of mercy. And that higher level of mercy actually in, allowed Joseph to enter the book. I mean, we wouldn't have known of uh, Joseph if it wasn't because of Mary and Jesus. Did you know that? He would have been just another carpenter that lived in Nazareth and died. I mean, we wouldn't even have known. Unless, unless you were to go back, I mean, like Josephus antiquities, I don't think he would have written about Joseph. He, his life would have been inconsequential. But as a result of listening to the dream, because, because the dream is what pointed out that this lady is not a bad girl. Is actually conceived of the of a holy son of God. Hallelujah. So now let's go for Job 33 and verse 14 to 16, and then we're gonna end there. Okay. 
Job 33, verse 14 to 16. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet men perceive it not, perceive it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction. Hallelujah. We're going to take one by one, so... Um, he said, God speaks what? God speaketh once. Once? Yea, twice. Twice. But man, man doesn't. Man perceiveth. Man perceiveth not. not. So you see that how, now we are preaching, right? Or maybe you are doing your quiet time, you are reading the word of God. Or maybe you are praying and God tries to tell you something. So God can speak to you so many ways. He can speak to you through the word. As the word is coming, you can see that this is for me. Hallelujah. This is God speaking to me. Or you may be doing your quiet time. And, and then a, a verse will jump at you and say, this verse is for me, for today. Or in your quiet moments, or in, sometimes even you are driving, you are in the shower, God can speak to you every time, anywhere. But often, man perceives it not. So many times, God is trying to get our attention, we don't get it. Why? Because we are hyperactive. Hallelujah. You are on a conference call, and you are trying to uh, do some coffee and then you are warming food for the kids and then your boss is calling you so, so your, mind, your hands are into so many different things in the middle of it, if God is trying to tell you something you won't even hear Amen. so, so God in trying to get something to us sometimes we use I don't, I don't want to say the normal channel. He will use the primary channel. Let me put it that way. The primary channel of his word. God is speaking to you. But often we miss it. So then what happens next? So in a dream. In a dream. In a vision of the night. In that vision of the night. So, so that's why a vision, a dream is a type of vision. So see, some people don't respect dreams. But in this scripture, in this passage... The, 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 the writer is saying that a dream is a vision in the night. Some people, if somebody comes to church and testify, I had a vision of angels. Do you get it? Or oh, I have a vision and then the Lord Jesus appeared. Like, like standing here and me standing here. Do you get it? And then somebody said, well, I had a dream and, and I saw this. People would, people would place the, the vision as higher. Or, or as more believable. Hallelujah. But now we see that a dream is a vision in the night. It's a vision happening to yourself that you are asleep. But keep in mind that a vision is what? It's something you see with your eyes. So now if you are asleep, what eyes are you using to see what you are seeing in your dream? It is your spiritual eyes, the eyes of your heart. Now when the Holy Spirit has had his influence on you, then these dreams are no more just ordinary dreams. Continue. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon man. When deep sleep falleth upon man. So he's saying that, look, when you are asleep, when you are, we have a dream, you're deep sleep. It's like your body is asleep, but your spirit is awake. Hallelujah. And then when deep sleep falls upon man. He's slumbering upon the bed. He's slumbering upon the bed. Then he opened the ears of men. God opens the ears of men. I don't think in these physical ears God is going to open. When somebody is asleep and slumbering, you can stand there and play, play ping pong in the room. Sometimes they won't even hear. Yes. So what God opening the ear is your spiritual ear. Hallelujah. Yes. The ear there is to tell you that your ability to hear. Because keep in mind that he said he's been speaking a word, but they perceive him not. But now as you are asleep, he's opening your ear. And what does he do after that? And seal it their instruction. He's sealing your instruction. Hallelujah. It means God has instructions for you, Dr. Nick. An instruction that he's been trying to get to you through what? A word, which you are not. He said you perceive it not. Amen. But then one day, in the middle, in the, he said when you are slumbering in your bed, in that moment, God slips an instruction in. Now, I was thinking about why he used the word sealed up the instruction. Do you get it? Because every word is used for a reason. God is sealing up. Is there another translation besides the King James? Because I have my own way, I think, the way I understand. I just, I'm just curious how another version put it. Okay. 
just the latter part, the last part about sealing the instruction. I'm curious how it was put in modern English. Um, I think that's 16, okay. Because sometimes the New Living Translation is kind of put together. Another one, NASB or, or um, NIV. Mm-hmm. He may speak in, is that, um, okay. Okay, so he opened the ears of men and sealed the instruction. Okay, say the NIV again. Okay. Terrifies them with warnings. Okay. See, me, the thing that caught my eye is the word seal. Okay. Because, you know, my image of when you are sealing something, why are you sealing something? Prevent it from leaking. And then also, so if, if it is, a, if it is a, something you are mailing, right, and you are sealing it, you are preventing it from coming out. And you are also preventing bad things from entering. Hallelujah. Do you get it? It is also, it's like for safekeeping. Amen. That is the image that came to me that, what, in the New King James and the King James. So I feel that, I feel that the, the instruction, something that you are sealing means that that thing is very important. And that is why you are sealing it. In fact, sometimes they say that, I, I don't, at least I don't know here, but samples of it somewhere, they, I hear they don't like you putting tape on on envelopes. Uh-huh, to turn them back, yes. Some reckless choices, hallelujah. So it, it means that the message that God wants to give is very critical, very critical. Now, if he's tried to tell you, like through a word, and you missed it, he tried somebody talking to you, you missed it. He tried all other means and it doesn't work. He has his last carol. The last is okay. When they go to bed, when they are, because when you are asleep, you are, not, you, are, you are not going anywhere. I mean, you are right there. So that it means that if in the dream, God is giving a message and that one too, you disrespect and you do not pay attention to it. I don't know what else God is going to do. So this is revealing to us that dreams are very important. Hallelujah. And it also revealing to us when you connect it to the jewel and ask scripture, it means that the Holy Spirit can heighten your dreaming experience. You see, we learn of Rejoiner how he got to a place where God will be speaking to him in a vision, a combination of visions and dreams, like as we know how the final quest was written. It, it was a combination of visions and dreams. And sometimes he said that the dream became so intense or the vision became so intense, he, he begged the Lord, let it lift. And then the thing will lift. And then he will be going about his business two weeks later and a strong sense will come upon him that God wants to speak to him and so he should go to sleep. He, he, should, go, he should go to sleep. And then he will go to sleep and the dream will continue. I actually have had that experience once. Where I had a dream, and the dream got to a point, and then, and then, um, I mean, it's not, it wasn't like Rujana's case where he said, stop it. I, I just woke up. <laughs> you can, I don't know whether my alarm woke me up or whatever. So, so something woke me up, but I realized this dream is very important, but it didn't seem to finish. So I prayed. And, and then another time, I had a dream that was a continuation of the other one. Hallelujah. It is only by the Spirit. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Wonderful. So let us pray. And I think we don't have a treasurer here. And so especially 
let our giving be test to give to just simplify matters. Let us come to God with our gifts and let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you. Thank you so much for teaching us your word. Help us, even as we give our substance to support you, to support your work. Bless us and may all we have become part of all you are. And may all you are become part of all we have. Our money is blessed even as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ, the love of God, the communion, the fellowship, the contribution, and the participation of the Holy Spirit, and the grace to have 200 members now. 
be with us now and forevermore. Amen. God richly bless you. It's like the group that went to uh, Kentucky is walking to church today. <laughs> <laughs>